Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chat Room. My name is Ruth. Gardner, and we are here on tonight continuing our Bible study, our book study on the Secrets to Generational Curses by Apostle Alexander Pagani. We're going to go ahead and start. We're going to open up a prayer and then we're going to go right into the lesson. Elder, please. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come together and learn on tonight. We ask that you would have your way. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds so that we may be ready to receive. We ask that you bless the teacher on this hour, give her strength in her body, clarity of thought, and clarity of speech. We pray for those who are listening to the playback. We pray a special blessing for them, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will have your way throughout the night. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, um, Elder. So we had started chapter six. I know we didn't do lesson last week, but we had started chapter six and we were talking about um, the different degrees of disobedience and levels of uncleanness. And we went into the different households um, and levels of the three worst bloodlines in Israel's history. We kind of ended up with there. I know we touched a little bit about David and his bloodlines. We're gonna kind of go back to that and then I'm gonna continue and finish up. Um, It's, this this is getting is getting is getting real (laughs) that's all i can say this chapter is getting real and it really 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 it 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 it's it 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 saddened me um because i can think i think about i can certain people that came to mind as i was reading this you know that i met down through the years in my walk and that you know that i know you know now and it's just kind of it, it, it i don't want to say it depressed me but it but it made me sad because it's like god and it, it also made me scared like um you know god i don't want to be found in this place you know you know it was like the different prayers of freedom i don't know if i was praying them with a sincerity of heart because i don't want to be found in these places and you'll see what i'm talking about so anyway Going into the bloodline, the household, they talked about the root of Jesse. And it was Jesse to David to Solomon. 
and it talks about the story of King David. Now it was mentioned before about um, him being born out of possibly being born out of wedlock. Like his uh, Jesse had an extramarital affair and that's how David was born. And even though it does not say that, but there's a lot of things when you read about David and you look at David, um, how he was treated and how, you know, it came about that, um, you know, a lot of theologians believe that this was the case, that David was conceived from Jesse having an illicit affair. Um, so the following verse is the basis for this idea. And when she read in Psalms 51 and five, it says, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. It is believed that David's, David's pessimism resulted from a secret his father, Jesse, was hiding, which is why when Samuel asked to see all his sons, David wasn't included until the prophet insisted there had to be another son, which to me brought out like, oh, he didn't even acknowledge him um, as a son at, at first. He had all his boys come in. David was out tending the sheep in the field. And, you know, as a parent, you're not going to forget your, your, your children. He says, I want all your sons to come and I'm going to pray for them and, and anoint them because one of them is going to be king. I mean, I'm quite sure as a parent, you're going to call all your children. You know, I wouldn't just say, I have just Joya. She's my daughter. I wouldn't exclude Shamine, the fact that she's my daughter. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's one of the reasons why they feel that this, this theory, it's not a fact. There's no way it to be proven, but there's the fact that there's a possibility that, um, there's a possibility that this theory was true because once again, when he, but Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Now Samuel told, knew that God told him to go to the house of Jesse and there he was going to be anointing the next king. But when God, but when the men passed before Samuel, God was saying, not him. No, not him. Nope. That's not the one. That's not the one. So that's when Jesse was like, are you sure that you, you all, all your sons is all the sons you have. And he said, oh yeah, they're still the youngest. Jesse answered, he's tending the sheep. So he sent for him. And then that's when David, that's when God told Samuel to go ahead and anoint him. And it was David. So it was like, as David wasn't even first acknowledged as his son. So, you know, that further to me further reinforces the fact that maybe there was something about David that he really didn't want to talk about or David that he really didn't want to acknowledge um that he was his son um so apostle goes on and writes he goes I've always been intrigued by the fact that in revelations Jesse exclaims that he is the most that he is the root and offspring of David why would he say root when all other scriptures about him are in reference to him being the son of David? The real root of Jesse, the real root of David was actually Jesse, his father. Yet Jesus substitutes David's father and places himself in his stead. States that out of Jesse's root, a branch is coming, which is the Messiah. I'm reading on page 128. Um, down on 129 and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse 
and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, why is this important and what does it have to do with the evolution of generational curses or with King David's bloodline? What potentially started out as someone's unresolved sin can grow with each generation. If Jesse's struggle with lust in one moment led him to having a child out of wedlock and covering up his secret sin, it's no surprise we find David also struggling through his life with various moments of lust and having multiple wives to try to cover up with his son, his sin with Bathsheba, such that by the time Solomon was on the scene, he had more than 700 wives and concubines. Sin can evolve and gener generational curses can evolve as well. So we see that Jesse had one little marital affair and then David, he had it too and he had multiple wives. And then now Solomon just is like straight up all out, 700 wives and concubines. That's a lot of women. So the biblical term iniquity means sin and transgression carried out over many years with no intervention to the point where it's become deeply entrenched in the nature of the person and they embody the sin they've been committing. This leads us to a dominant theme of this book and perhaps its strongest takeaway. What you fail to deal with in one generation will grow in the next and that is i we all have seen that we all have i witnessed that happening if there's something going on in one generation if it's not dealt with if it's not broken if that curse is not broken it will carry on to the next generation so when jesus declared himself the root of david he was identifying himself with with the root cause of david's generational curse and breaking it in David's bloodline. Now that was powerful. He was identifying himself with the root cause of David's generational curse and breaking it in David's bloodline. Jesus not only identified himself with the root of David's bloodline, he also called himself the offspring, solidifying that he would purge David's future generations coming from his bloodline leading up until Christ's birth. So that is something that God, that Jesus did for all of us. He's gotten into our bloodlines because we took on Christ. He has gotten into all of our bloodlines. Doesn't he says it doesn't matter how simple your household and bloodline are, Jesus can break the curse. That is why Acts 16:31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. He's not just the root of David or the root of Jesse, but he's also the root of Pagani and the root of, and he says, insert your family name. So he's the, the root of Gardner, he's the root of Wilder. And, and and he's the root of bridges. <laughs> it is proper context. This is referring to God cleansing the bloodline of David to prepare the way for the Messiah who would have who would be born through his dynasty. But it's safe to say that what Jesus did for the bloodline of Jesus, Jesse, I'm sorry, it's safe to say what Jesus did for the bloodline of Jesse, he desired to do with our bloodlines too. God is in the business of cleansing 
bloodlines. He's a bloodline cleanser. Amen. Glory to God. So now there's certain things called genetic misfortunes born into curses. So we're going to go on to, oh, before we go on, anybody have anything you want to add to that? Anything they did that you didn't know about? Or do you believe this theory? Or do you think this is uh, a reach? You don't think that's possible? That, you know, David could be the, the product of an extramarital affair? Or what's your thoughts? I think it's plausible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I would not go 100% with it because the Bible doesn't say it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's it's stipulation. Mm -hmm. But it does fit. It's plausible. Okay. Anyone else? What do you think? Do you think that's a possibility or no? Well, Elder Francis, what are your answers? What do you think? Y'all better not be asleep again. No, I think <laughs> I think it may be possible. Yeah. <laughs> I was having a coughing fit. Yes, I think it's possible too. Oh, well, heal in Jesus' name. Heal in Jesus' name. So. So moving on, we have born into curses. We're on page 130. Um, and he talks about genetic misfortunes, like just like something, a level of misfortune in the bloodline. Like just uh like like there's a bad omen or or uh you know, some people say it's curse because bad things happen. Like he took uh, for example, the Kennedys, which is really really interesting because you had John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy, they both were assassinated. You know, they were presidents and they both were assassinated. And then you had John F. Kennedy Jr. And I don't know if you guys remember how he, he was flying his plane. He was a pilot. He was flying his personal plane and they died in, a, in an airplane crash. And then there's a certain nephews and cousins, they were, some have died in freak accidents. Um, so it was just something like, like there's a bad omen over the Kennedy family. Um, so generation curses can not only have devastating effects for generations to come, but I believe they can affect the bloodline to the point where there are alter human, physiological and genetic defects may present themselves. Now he's talking about also how it can have a physical logical, like it can really cause a genetic alteration, uh, generational curses. Like it talks about Goliath, Goliath, um, family bloodline. They had six, six digits. They had six fingers. Um, and that's in Samuel, Second Samuel twenty-one and twenty, and and it was it was and the scripture definitely made a point to say that that his family he had six fingers, so he had 12, 12 fingers instead of ten. 
And you may notice that some families seem inclined to have people born with genetic defects. I'm not saying that all genetic abnormalities are the result of sin and curses, but there are times when I believe they are. And certainly not all sicknesses and diseases that are passed down from one generation to another are the result of sin, but it is possible that some are. So um, then he goes on with the prayer of freedom against sicknesses. So now let's go to the curse of Hezekiah household, which is this I found very, very interesting. Um, in the Bible, um, Isaiah, I think it was Isaiah, right? Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah came to um, Hezekiah and told him to get your house in order because you're going to die. And um, it's very familiar scripture. A lot of people preach it where Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed. And he was going to die in three days. Isaiah, the prophet, came to him and said, God said, you're going to die in three days. But Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed. And the Lord blessed him with 15 years. But he also told him, that, you know, these things are going to come to you because of his decision, because of what he did in the Bible in 2 Kings 20, 14 and 19, he, um, that's where he took the, um, the sacred things out of the temple when King Hezekiah took captured um the people of Israel and he took the, the the things in the temple and he had a party and he drank out of them. Do you remember that story? Where it says teke teke oh you've been waiting the balance and you found wanting. Remember that that story? Yes. In the Bible? Huh? Yeah I'm pretty sure we all do. Okay. I know Shamin and them, they better remember because I did a Bible, I did, a, we did, um, <laughs> we did Sunday school and I made a little, the little thing with the scale and I had the balloon, blew, the glove blew up like a balloon with a hand <laughs> and it was right on the wall. Do you remember didn't that, <laughs> Shamin, Joya? Didn't you preach it one time too, the writing on the wall? Yeah, but I also, in Sunday school, I made a poster and I had the words on it and I had a glove, one of my nursing gloves, latex gloves. I blew it up and I had the finger pointing like it was right, <laughs> like it was right on the wall. I don't uh, think it was in your class right then. Joy, do you remember it? Joy, do you remember it? Or did y'all both get past my class when I was doing that? No, I don't remember that. Okay, then y'all was out the class. It was uh might have so it might have been Tyler and it was probably with Tyler's class because I had all of them, I had Chelsea Tyler, all of them came through my class, um by a uh, Sunday school class. But it was Teke Teke Umfar, whatever I can't remember what it said. But that's what he did. And in this particular passage, this is on the bottom of 132. I'm gonna read it. It was Second Kings 2014 through 19. He said the Isaiah prophet went to the king Hezekiah and asked them. 
What did those men want? He said, where are they from? He said, they are came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? He said, they saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasuries. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to the message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. They will become eunuchs who will serve the palace of Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this message you, you have given me from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. Because he said that he didn't care. He didn't repent. He was like, all right, but well, I said, I'll be dead before that. I'll be gone. Ain't going to happen in my lifetime. It's going to happen to my sons. Ain't going to happen to me. So that was his attitude. And that's why God was trying to shorten his life because of what he had said. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Very interesting, right? Because of what he said. Um, so sometimes God will cause, you know, because of our decisions, not because he was speaking death or trying to kill him because of the wrong. It was because of his refusal to repent. And that was something that he, that he mentions in this passage within this um context um what, what causes me to be sure that god was indeed trying to allow hezekiah's death was that during his this 15 year extension hezekiah had a son named manasseh which we'll talk more about in chapter 10 in a nutshell manasseh became the worst king israel ever had and he reigned the longest hezekiah died and his son Manasseh became the next king. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years and did what was evil in the Lord's sight following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. So um, he's saying, please hear me. I'm not saying that all sickness and disease are, are the result of God trying to kill someone. This is what I was saying. But sometimes God allows sickness for some greater good and purpose, like the sickness of Lazarus in John, where Jesus said, this illness is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It is my firm belief that heaven saw the bad choices Hezekiah was going to make, and also foresaw the birth of the most evil king in Israel's history, and was trying to save the nation's heartache. God is our Jehovah Rapha, our healer. It says, if you're sick right now and dealing with generational curse of sickness, then pray the following prayer. Believe God's will to be done. So basically, he's saying, God, sometimes people' lives are cut short, and we don't know the whole reason why. Um, we don't know. God, God knows our future. God knows, you know what I'm saying? He knows what we're thinking. He knows where our, where our mind's at. And sometimes I believe, and I, you know, some people don't, but I believe that God will allow certain things to happen to bring people home at a young age or an early age or premature death, so to speak, to avoid them um, making bad choices or causing more damage than what's already been done. Um, and I think that's that's the sovereignty of God. We we don't we can't control our destinies. 
Um, we all we can control is our decisions and, you know, what we decide to do. But God knows before we even think it. And sometimes he will intervene through death. Amen. Amen. So that was the, um, the example that he was using in this case about Hezekiah. So now we're going to go on to the next section, which is called the curses of the mind. And this is where my heart was really, really, um, my heart was saddened because there's certain people that I know that are, I, I can find people in these categories and it's like really, really crazy. Cause I'm like, wow, they don't even realize it. Um, there's the, um, he's going on with the journey of algorithm. And we talked about the algorithm, like certain things, the probabilities of things happening, provided the right environment, the probability of this happening, the probability of that happening and so forth. So he said, let's explore next what I call the curses of the mind. Without getting too detailed and exhaustive in recent years, I noticed four areas in which people seem to struggle against demonic oppression and generational cur curses with increasing occurrences. And they are as follows, confusion, seer conscience, reprobate mind, and strong delusion. The Bible encourages us to keep our minds on heavenly things. We are commanded to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are commanded to do that. Not a suggestion, not advice, it's a commandment. All these crazy thoughts that try to enter our mind, we are to take it and bring it captive to the obedience of Christ. How do you do that? You plead the blood, you start rebuking. You bind that thought and you plead the blood of Jesus against it. Anything that's contrary to the word of God, any type of sick, vile, violence, any type of thought that tries to pop into your mind, something crazy off the wall, you know it ain't God. You know it ain't in God's word. You need to bind it up. As you read scripture, the word of God is powerful enough to cause you to have the mind of Christ. God always tells us to take on the mind of Christ. By reading your word, you take on the mind of Christ because the word is God. And as you read the scriptures, you take on his mind, his thoughts. The mind is the battlefield and there is an all out war to con for control of it. Television, social media, radio, cell phones, computers, news media, and other people are all out to control your mind or an aspect of your thinking. The pharmaceutical industry is making billions of medicines that can control the way your brain operates. Altogether, this onslaught is causing more people to be affected in their minds than any previous generation. And I see that every other commercial is about bipolar, antidepressants. It's attack of the mind. It's an attack on the mind. When you talk to people, especially young people, you sense a deep confusion in the mind. And many times that confusion and other mental issues are spreading among their whole family. Let's look at how this evolves. Number one is confusion. 
um, the following verses blow me. I'm just reading the whole thing. The following verses blow me away every time I read it because it affirms the point I made earlier that curses do not come from demons, but rather from the courtroom of heaven when someone commits a sin that warrants it. The text says the Lord himself was not will send not just a curse, but confusion. I believe that when a person refuses to acknowledge God in all their ways, the Lord allows confusion to become their portion. God is not the author of confusion, but he allows it when there is a refusal to walk according to his word. Analyze your life right now. Has confusion been part of your life since as far back as you can remember? Ask yourself, have I been allowing the word of God to be my resource? If not, there is a good chance that confusion might be consuming you as a punishment from heaven. Deuteronomy 28 and 20 says, the Lord himself will send you curses, confusion, and frustration in everything you do until at last you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. So when you walk away and you refuse to follow after, he will send a spirit of confusion. And at this stage, there's a, there's a chance of repentance. You know, he got in the book, The Prayer of Freedom, where it's a prayer of repentance. And as you're getting yourself back in line with God and you're getting yourself back in the word. The next level is the seared conscience. This is a little bit more serious as our conscience is the seat of where we distinguish right from wrong. When a believer loses their ability to sense the convicting power of the word of God and the Holy Spirit, they become callous, indifferent towards the things of God, indifferent toward the people of God. The word, the Greek word, kosteriazo, kosteriazo, mean burn with a hot iron or cauterize, sear, and it results in callous skin. Whether your skin is burned or rubbed together for a long period of time and hardens, you lose the ability to feel pain in that area. And the same is said about a, a seared conscience. A person has no more feeling of conviction and integrity, so they start speaking lies and hypocrisy and don't even know they're doing it. That's a seared conscience. Another way to look at it is when we become desensitized to the things that used to bother us. When, and that right there, that I have to pause with a cause. That right there is what the enemy is doing right now to the people of God. We did, he's desensitizing us to this stuff that we're seeing that we're that is going on in the world today he's trying to make it less bad like remember how i talked about how they made the movie the tv show lucifer and how they were trying to make lucifer appear to be a a, a good guy how can you make the devil good because you're trying to desensitize it they they try to get you to try to make it become common with you so that 
it won't be, it won't bother your spirit and you become seared, your conscience becomes seared and then you just fall into it and you fall into the spirit of compromise and then you just go along with the, with the flow. There's no Holy Ghost conviction that, that, that distinction between holy and unholy, that line becomes blurred. And that's what desensitizing is. And that's what's happening today. People are becoming more and more desensitized. First uh, Timothy 4 and 2 says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having the conscience seared with a hot iron. So they 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 speaking lies and and they're they're being hip, hypocritical and they don't even realize it. There's a lot of leaders today, church leaders today, that is embracing this alternative lifestyle and they're saying it's okay. They don't even realize it. They don't even realize it because they're not they're not they're conscious of being seared. There's no Holy Ghost conviction anymore. Because they become desensitized to it because that's all we see on TV. That's all we see now in movies. Everywhere you look, you see stuff that is, you know, that's wrong. <laughs> and we're and we're becoming desensitized to it. Minds are being seared. Mm, 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 mm. You saw what the Catholic, the Pope of the Catholic Church approved of, right? No. No, Pope, but I can imagine what <laughs> approved same sex. Um, he he allowed same sex uh couples to be blessed. So, if uh any same sex couple want to get married, they have the any Catholic Church I guess that wants to do that can the the Pope has blessed it. Yeah. And, Okay. Yeah, that I did hear about. That's why I, I think he did that a while ago. That's why when he first said what he did, he hear about what he did. I'm like, I could only imagine now because. No, they just announced it. He just did it. Oh, he just did that. I thought he did it a while ago. He's been doing quite a few things. Mm -hmm. Wow. He just did it. It was on the, I just saw an article about it. Uh, Yesterday or day before yesterday? Well, well, look what used to happen with the altar boys. Yep. Well, you know, so. the Catholic Church believes that the interpretation of the Bible is determined by the standing Pope. Mm -hmm. So that means from Pope to Pope, the interpretation of the Bible can change. Mm. Wow. That's not right. <laughs> no. Well, once again, desensitizing people becoming, and that's the thing, they don't even realize it, that they're speaking lies and hypocrisy. Yeah. They don't realize it because their conscience is seared, which leads us to go to the reprobate mind. So, so with a Conscience being seared, mind, you still have some knowledge 
of right and wrong, but you become indifferent. To, you're not, you, you, how can I say it? You become less tolerable. You kind of become lackadaisical in your walk when you're seared, when your conscience is being seared. It like, you know, it's it's all right. It's okay. You know how they, that's how they are. You know how they are. You know, they, that's, you know, that's all right. That's all right. God knows their heart type of thing. But when you get reprobated, it's the end result of having a seared conscience. It's like your, your conscience is completely seared. Um, so, so the person's ability to distinguish between good and evil has been taken away through the hardness of their heart. And they begin to call good evil and evil good. So a lot of people are now falling over into a reprobate mind. A lot of leaders. This is a dangerous place to be because it opens you up to potentially blaspheming the Holy Spirit and attributing the works of God to Satan. Have you ever known someone who just seemed not to care nor had any conviction for the evil things they did? It's possible that a reprobate mind was at work. And that's where my mind started going back and thinking about certain people, certain things and certain situations. And I was just like, wow, that they just, they have no conviction. And he used for an example, people that are involved in organized crime, how they kill people, they put a hit on somebody, they kill them, you know, they, they're not moved by it. They're not, they don't feel bad about taking lives. Committing acts of crime comes easy to them. And since the organization is built and sustained by it, such individuals give themselves over to a reprobate mind. A mind that is reprobate can never truly repent for the things they do because they can't distinguish. They might verbally confess the awareness of their actions, but they have no real sense of repentance to actually stop. That is crazy. That's crazy. Even their good acts of kindness are done through evil. Sort of like the Robin Hood lifestyle, steal from the rich and give to the poor. You're still stealing, <laughs> right? Stealing is not good. A reprobate mind causes there to be a change in nature where a person's mind goes from fully functional to becoming abominable. Did you ever wonder, for example, why a church worship leader can commit sinful acts while serving the clergy with no personal conviction? It's because they have given over to a reprobate mind. You know you're not living right. You know you're living in sin. You know you're doing what you know you're not supposed to be doing, but yet you still get up here on Sunday preach the word, prophesy, sing in the choir, do all these things, but you know the life you're living is wrong and there's no conviction. You ain't got no, there's no conviction. There's no, you know, repentance. There's no, 
there's no really no struggle. You just know what's wrong, but you're still doing it anyway. There's a lot of people that are doing that. You know, Apostle Kent talked about how people getting high, smoking weed before they get up and preach. <laughs> Somebody help me relax. <laughs> I have a smoking joint, help me relax. So I can preach the word. So you preaching high, no, it's wrong. Because the Bible says, be of a sober mind, but you still doing it and getting up in the pulpit and you preaching. No, it's wrong. You've been, you, sir, ma'am, have been given over to a reprobate mind. Do you realize that? And that's the part that really hit me like, wow, that's a reprobate mind. When you know you're doing wrong, but you're still doing it. And you're not even phased by it. But you get up Sunday and you go up there and you're going out here, flying here, flying there, preaching, prophesying, laying hands on people. And you know you live in a, 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 a lifestyle that's unacceptable and abominable in the sight of God. I don't get it. Um, I Okay, moving on. The next one is strong delusion. And this following verse again affirms that I've been saying throughout the whole book that when it comes to curses, it's not demons causing them, but rather God fighting against the person for refusing to change. Okay? Curses do not come from demons. It's God fighting against the person who refuses to change. When God sends a strong delusion, it's because this person is at the point of no return and will never change. You may you might ask if such persons exist. Yes, they do. And the book of Revelation says that in end times, many in their anger toward the things coming on the earth will still be in defiance toward heaven and not repent. What would make a person not repent can only be explained but what the verse is saying god won't let them repent because he sent them a strong delusion so they would believe what is not true and ultimately perish never allow yourself to get to this point because there is no coming back second thessalonians chapter 2 and 11 and for this cause god shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie and then he just says, then he uh, says, no prayer of freedom can be offered at this point as heaven forbids it, just as when God told Samuel not to pray for King Saul anymore. And that was something that, that hit me as well because that was something that was recently told to me. Did you say whoa or well? You said it was recently told you. I said what was? Oh, about not praying or assisting. Leave it alone. So concluding thoughts. As we close this chapter, I hope you're able to see just how sin evolves and how when generational curses are not dealt with, they can cross over to the next generation. And with each passing one, increase in strength and cause havoc. Spend some time in prayer and consider everything we covered in this chapter. 
Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal what's been going on in your bloodline. The Lord Jesus is our great high priest and intercessor is available to help you in this area. And the Holy Spirit will also bring clarity to these issues and help you resolve them. So this um, really, 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 really kind of start. Now we're getting into the meat of things and he's really starting to um, unravel and, and pull back covers. Um, so chapter six is a lot of meat. It was very, very uh, informative. And I would say, just for the sake of it, go back and read chapter six again so that we get a good understanding. Spend some time and read chapter six again. So that ends chapter six. We're going on to chapter seven. Um, I'm trying to think, do we want to meet back on next week or do we want to, because of the holiday, want to just enjoy our, our holiday yeah let's take the week off next week let's not have it because it's the day after christmas or what do y'all think what do y'all want to do i say take a break <laughs> my opinion i would i would say okay we'll take a break so we'll come back um new year's in 2024 that'll be january is it January 2nd? That Tuesday after New Year's? New Year's Eve is on Sunday. Yeah, January 2nd. We'll come back on January 2nd. Um, but we're going to start off with chapter 7. I'm trying to see where's a good spot to stop at. So 154 would be halfway. But yeah, 154. Or do you want the, 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 the oh. That's what I'm saying. It stops with the prayer. Well, we can, okay, do 155 and go into, yeah, no, stop at 156 because there's six, the seven abominable things. Number seven starts at one on one fifty six, and that's the last of the of the seven abominable things that the Lord hates. And it's a sowing of discord. So read the sowing of discord, and then we'll stop where it says levels of depravity depravity on page one fifty six. So one forty three to one fifty six, and um, we'll stop at levels of depravity. All right. Amen. Amen. So what do you guys think about this book so far? Is it good? Is it it's a lot? Is it too much? Am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? Um, do I need to hurry up? How how are we how are we feeling so far? We've gone through halfway of halfway through. We're on chapter seven. We got three more chapters to go and we'll be done with this book. What do you guys think? I think it's been good. And I, I realized that now it is on Audible. It wasn't when we bought the books and started. Are you serious? Yes. It is on Audible? Uh-huh. I'm really mad. Because I was saying to myself, I wish this book was on Audible. 
<laughs> it wasn't when we started. It is now. I know. I know. Well, that's nice to know. Okay. Well, I like the books. I've been writing and highlighting and underlining and making my little notes off to the side certain things. Um, but anyway, um, if all hearts and minds are clear, anyone have any comments or any other questions, anything that I read about or anything that you you need a little bit more insight or explanation for or anything like that? Speak now. If not, we're going to go ahead and dismiss. I don't want to dismiss without anyone, you know, questioning or not getting a full understanding of what those categories are and what, what he's talking about. But the takeaway I would like to um, to express or the takeaway I would like to just point or really press is that daily reading of the word is really going to help with the stability of mind. So daily reading your word, if you don't read, if you don't like reading your word, you can get the audible Bible, get the Bible, you can get, play it audible, just let it play while you sleep. They got YouTube now where they have nice instrumental sleep music. And then you have someone reading the scriptures as the music's playing. I think that at this point, the, the, the most important thing to do is to meditate on the word of God day and night. Because everything that is happening in the world, everything that is going on, how the enemy is really attacking the minds of his people of God's people, I think it's important that we keep the word before us at all times, even in our laying down at sleep. You may fall asleep, you may not hear it, but your spirit man is being fed, believe it or not. So as you're sleeping, play the word. If you wanna play music behind it, like I said, you can go on YouTube and they'll have like the whole Bible. And sometimes they'll have music by, playing behind it. Or they have like the book of Psalms. And they'll read the Psalms while you're sleeping. Just get that word in you. Meditate on the word. Get that word in you. You have audible. You know, you can't. You could be driving in your car. Before you pull off, get the Bible. Pull it up on your phone. And and hit hit the um, um, audible. The um, version, you version Bible. You could you could play it. It it'll speak. You know, we did Bible study when I was playing it before, and we were doing Bible study and we was reading chapters. We were going through the books of the Bible. I was playing it. You was listening to it on NIV version. That was the U version Bible. I was pressing the play button, um, and and it and it and they read it. So you know you can't actually take time to look at the book and read it. Just play it in your hearing because you know. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So play that word, get that word in your mind, get that word in your spirit. That's, that's where the enemy is attacking us. I've been saying that for years. It's the mind. He's coming against the mind of God's people. So by having that word, that word in you, hearing the word, reading the word, keeping the word before you as you sleep during the day, you know, It'll help you. It'll help stabilize your thoughts and enable you to, to, to think clearly. You won't have that confusing spirit trying to come on you and cause you to think crazy stuff and think off stuff and 
get you all confused and don't know what's going on. Because I'm telling you, trust you me, I I I play it. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm playing either my soaking music or I will turn on the Bible and it'll be playing while and I'll go back to sleep while I'm playing it. Because yeah, the enemy likes to take to, uh, attack your mind. He likes to bring those crazy thoughts and crazy dreams and all the other foolishness. So you got to, like I said, bring those, captivate that stuff. We are commanded to bring those thoughts into captivity. Bring them in captivity. Don't ponder on them. Don't think on them. Don't entertain them because once they you start thinking, entertaining it, it has the ability to take root. We don't want that. Amen. We want stable minds. We want clear minds. So keep that word. Amen. 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 So Pastor John, can you go ahead and dismiss us, please? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, first off, for being with us, God, through, throughout the course of this class and throughout every day of our lives. God, we pray that you just continue to lead us and guide us, God. We pray, God, that as we continue with this book, you continue to help us grow, to be able to identify things in our lives and things in the lives of people that surround us, God. Help us to be able to identify these things that we know how to pray and how to war in the spirit against every attack of the enemy. And God, we thank you, God, for all that you are doing with us in us and through us. And God, we just pray that you continue to get the praise, glory, and honor out of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.